Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. And in fact, I think I've, always, I've said before that I believe it is part of the father's job description uh, to tell bad jokes and also embarrass their children. And so over the course of the 20 plus years that I've been a dad, I have found uh, myself much like these gentlemen on the screen that we just saw, who not only liked to tell terrible dad jokes, but also found them incredibly rewarding. And so uh, in honor of all the other dads out there, a very happy Father's Day. Now, Christian mentioned that sometimes this can be a complicated and complex day for many people. And I just want to acknowledge that uh, because there are all kinds of dynamics in play. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your dad, or maybe as a dad, you don't have a great relationship with a child. I feel that. I honor that. Maybe this is your first Father's Day without your dad, or your first Father's Day without your child. And I've been on both ends of that, and I know how uh, it can be sometimes when you see the world celebrating and laughing and cooking out and things like that, and you feel just obliterated inside. And so however it is that you find today, here on this Father's Day, I want you to know that Christian had it exactly right. That of all the great father figures that we have and that we see and we enjoy and we experience here in our, heavenly, I mean our, in our earthly realm, our Heavenly Father wants to love you. He has compassion for you like a father for his child. And so I want to thank you for being here today and being part of our Father's Day celebration as we also think about greater rewards. Now, this is our current message series. Last week, we started it, and we talked about, help, I'm out of control. And it's really interesting when we think about being out of control because it caused us to think about the aspect of discipline. And we talked about how discipline isn't just punishment for what we've done wrong. That's revenge, right? But it's about molding and shaping us into be who we are designed and created to be. And then we talked about, as we went through that message, finding your identity in Jesus and walking by the Spirit. And you'll see there that last little line on the screen that says, I am, right? I am. So frequently when we say I am, we get caught up in the things that we believe identify us. Like, I am tired or I am stressed or I am broken or I am whatever. I am on top of the world. What it is that the scripture wants us to know and to understand is that we are to find our identity in Christ. And so that however it is that we find ourselves here today or however we find ourselves in the world, we can say, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. I am beloved. I am a child of the King of Kings. Friends, this is why I am so grateful to see you here today because we're going to talk about why isn't, why is it so hard? Why can't I change? Why can't I change? I've gone through, as I've talked about before, it's obvious I've gone through a major change in the last uh, year or so just with my own physical health. I got to a point where I was just you know, sick and tired, feeling sick and tired. I went to the doctor, the doctor looked at me and he said, well, what you're doing isn't working, so let's try something new. And it's amazing how freeing that is to hear someone 
with some knowledge, with some wisdom, with some experience, acknowledge the struggle, the stress, the strain that we experience in life and say, let's just try something different. But why is it that we sometimes find it difficult to try something different? What do you think? Interactive message time. Why do you think it's at times difficult to try something new? We're down. Yeah. Feel defeated. What else? Comfortable. Yes. We get comfortable in our issue, in our I am identity that isn't in line with what Jesus wants from us. What else? Was there one in the back? Stubborn. Yeah. Scared. I'm liking this. Because that's really kind of where I was going, where my mind has been rolling with this. We get a little scared because what if we try something new and it doesn't work? There have been times in my life, and I've seen in the lives of people with whom I've had the opportunity and privilege to work in the council, to mentor, to coach, that you always want to hold back a little something that you can maybe try later and hope that there will be success in it. In other words, we hold a little bit back out of fear of failure. Can you identify with that? Can you relate to that in any way? That you know that there's something else that you can do, but you want to hold back just a little bit because you're afraid of what happens if you don't succeed. I was not a great Little League ball player at all. And I remember there were times, especially when I would face difficult kid pitch, right? I would face times that I was, when I would struggle. I would rather not even try to hit the ball and strike out than to swing and to miss, right? Now, that is a crazy way to look at life. We would oftentimes rather fail on, under our own power and our own control than to fail in a way that is different from what we had hoped or wanted or expected or perceived. And it's a really peculiar thing. We would rather fail under our own control than to put everything we have out there and to try and fail just the same. But I have these thoughts about, I think it was Mark Twain that said something to the effect of, you know, it's better to put everything we have out there and to be seen as someone who tried than someone who didn't try at all and ended up looking foolish. I think about how often I probably looked foolish standing in the batter's box with a bat on my shoulder, not even trying, because I would rather strike out under my own power than to swing and miss. I know I'm not the only one that has gone through struggles like that in life. We would rather fail under our own power than try our best and fail regardless. We're about halfway through the year now. Did you know that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February? So how are you doing going into the third week of June? Anybody make some New Year's resolutions that you've held on to? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see one hand. I heard a chuckle. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's true. Uh, but we look at our life and we see that there are things that we want to change, or things that we want to be better at, things that we want to do differently. And so we've got to get over that fear of failure that might prevent us from trying in the first place so that we can get to where we need to be in the way that God has designed and called us to live. And so our next point is with God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. That was what we talked about last week. With God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. And therein lies the essence of discipline, right? Discipline calls us and causes us 
to choose what we want most over what we want now. What we want most over what we want now. Maybe you've seen some of those memes that circulate occasionally through social media. I really want to, you know, set a washboard abs, but I love tacos, right? Or, or Oreos or things like that. That really gets into the heart and soul of what we're talking about today. It's with God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. And we talked last week about how sin gets into this mix here and wants us to try to choose what we want now over what we want most, thinking that we can always put off till tomorrow something that we could do today. That's not how God's discipline wants to work within your life. God wants you to choose what you want most over what you want now. And there is discipline there in choosing what you want most over what you want now. So I want you to think really quickly in your own mind, in your own life, in your own spirit and soul, what is it that you want most? What is it that you want most? Reflect on that for a moment. What is it you really want most? Does it align with God's plan for your life? Does it align with what you think is moral, beautiful, thoughtful, encouraging? If it's not, what might you strive for above that? How might you invite and allow God into your life and your life experience right now to say, God, I recognize that the things that I think I want the most right now are not the things that you want the most for me. Help me to identify what it is that you want most for me so that I may live into that and experience the fullness and the hope and the beauty of a life that we never thought we could ever possibly imagine. The scripture tells us that God has things in store for each and every one of us that are beyond comprehension. Things that you can't even begin to imagine that God has in store and God has planned for you. Maybe you're sitting here like Han Solo talking to Luke Skywalker. So I can imagine an awful lot. It's everything and more. You know, that's the beauty of doing life according to God's will. And God's way is that when we line our lives up with who God is and what God wants for us, he transforms and changes our desires so that we are called to look more carefully at a statement like this. Is we can choose what we want most over what we want now. And unfortunately, the things that we so frequently think that we want now are not the things that we really want and need the most. So that own personal self-reflection and assessment that you've done here in your chair in the last three or four minutes, think about what is it with God's help he can help you accomplish when you choose what you want most in line with God's spirit and will over the things that you want now. And then find the discipline, find the discipline to live into it. Even if that is waiting the next 30 minutes or so to tackle the donuts that are in the lobby for Father's Day. All right, so let's continue. Our primary Bible passage for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And I'm reading this morning out of the New Living Translation. And this is a wonderful way for us to think about how the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to strive for more than what we would just want right now, the tacos, so that we can think about what 
God wants for us and what is best for us in the long term. So this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined. There's that word again. In their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's give thanks to God. Amen? All right, so what do we see here? All athletes are disciplined in their training. And so this is a critical and essential aspect to thinking about running the race with the prize in mind. It requires discipline, right? It requires understanding what that prize is. All too often, we allow our heart and soul and mind to put and channel into our strength the prizes and the trinkets and the trophies that we can experience and we can enjoy in the here and now, thinking that they are going to bring us some type of glory, right? We focus our sights on the trinkets and the trophies and the prizes. But what is it that we read Elsewhere, when the Apostle Paul is talking about running the race for the prize, what is it that we learned that the prize actually is? You know what it is? The prize is Christ Jesus. That is the way that the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians. He's talking about running for the prize. He said the prize is Christ Jesus. Not might be, could be, would be, should be. The prize is Christ Jesus. That is the reason that we run. And it requires discipline for us to run our life race for the sake of Jesus, doesn't it? Especially in a time like where we're living right now, where it seems the world has become unmoored from morals, values, traditions, and ethics into this idea of everything goes, right? The prize is whatever you want it to be, whenever you want it to be, wherever you want it to be. The scripture calls us to come out from this loosey-goosey living lifestyle into getting onto that narrow path that is Christ Jesus. But that's where the, the difference comes in, is the world looks at the path of Christ and hears him say it's a narrow pathway and it says, oh, you can't have any fun. But when we get on that pathway, we realize that it opens up into eternity, Right? The, the narrow pathway of Jesus, we sink our mind and our lives in Christ Jesus. It isn't restricting or constricting. It is life-giving and life-fueling. It provides the heart fuel that we need to live and to serve God the way that we're called to live and serve God. The world looks at that and says, ah, but you can't have any fun. Those who are on the path say, oh my gosh, I never could have imagined or fathomed how good life is with Christ. How great life is with God. It's not about restricting or constricting anything. It's about opening our hearts and our minds and our lives up to an experience and an encounter that we never, ever could have possibly imagined. This, my friends, is why it requires discipline to live that way of God. Because it forces us to come to grips and to enter into that conflict about what is it that I really want most over what I want now. And that justifying that we do. So, oh, I can have just a little peek, a little taste, a little sip, a little pill, whatever. I can have just a little bit right now. It, it messes us up in the long run. 
And so as we see Paul talking about how the prize that the world tells us to seek after will always disappoint. But that eternal prize must be Christ Jesus who opens up the experience, reality, and eternity to us right here and right now. And so he goes on to say, I run with purpose in every step. What do you think is unique about that? I run with purpose, with, run with purpose in every step. One of the things that strikes me is the numbers of steps that we waste. Have you ever thought about how much effort or energy or steps, as it were, from this First Corinthians passage that we waste on stuff that doesn't matter? This gets back into that finely tuned athlete metaphor that the Apostle Paul is using here. That when we are determined to not waste a single step, we know that every single step has a purpose. And it's easy for us when we're trying to reconcile and rationalize the way that we approach life to maybe waste a step or two, say, now oh, it's going to matter. Those finely tuned athletes who are so disciplined know that every little morsel that goes into the body, every minute of sleep matters. All of the cardio endurance, all the strength training, even the rest, every single piece and component matters. It makes a difference. It's the purpose for everything to not waste a step. But it's easy for us, if I'm not mistaken, to think, you know, I got a step or two that I can waste. And what ends up happening, typically, when we just allow ourselves, give ourselves over to wasting a step? It becomes easier to waste another one, doesn't it? Well, I can get on it again tomorrow. And then next thing you know, your approach to your discipline sounds more like a Jimmy Buffett song. Come Monday, it'll be all right, right? And you're always that wimpy from Popeye, right? You're um, going to pay someone Tuesday for a hamburger today. But that comeuppance, it does always come. And then Paul goes on to say, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm actually disciplining my body like an athlete. Training it. Allow that word to seep into your soul. Training it to do what it should. Athletes don't waste a step in their training. They know that the motions that they go through while they are working within their sport are critically important. They know that the other complex exercises that they do when they're running or walking or swimming or lifting weights also matters. They know that the food that they eat, the things that they consume to fuel their body matters and even down to the sleep that they get. I had a moment uh, the other day. I was, it was when the Braves, I think, were in uh, Washington, D.C. playing the Nationals and there was a rain delay and uh, there was this uh, little interview that they were doing, Paul Berg was doing with Adam Duvall. Now, if you know anything about Adam Duvall, he's a great power hitter, uh, sometimes strikes out an awful lot, doesn't he, Jimmy? He strikes out an awful lot, but he's one of those guys who's very valuable because when he makes contact with the ball, it can go a long way. And what they were doing was they were showing Adam Duvall, starting with his baseball, how he goes in and he approaches hitting and preparing for every single game. And like so many professional hitters, do you know how it is that they begin their batting practice? Hitting off a tee. very hard. Hitting off a tee. I'd known that years and years ago, but when I saw that the other day, in light of what I was preparing for today's message, it really resonated with me. Getting into the fundamentals. 
And when he is hitting off the tee, he takes normal strike or normal swings, sit in the strike zone, then he places the tee on the outside, on the inside, and he even has high tees so that he can try to get his swing properly to go through the plane at the top of the strike zone. And it dawned on me, how frequently have I in my own endeavors taken things like the fundamentals of even the baseball tee for granted? I would look at a tee and say, I haven't played t-ball in you know, four or five years. Okay, wasn't that funny, but still. And you hear you have a, a major league slugger who uses the tee every single batting practice to make sure that the swing plane is correct. He knows that muscle memory. Friends, we need those T's, so to speak, in our life to ground us and to root us into who it is that we are called to be and to live into the method that Christ has called us to live. I contend that that isn't just a T, but it is the cross of Christ. Do you see the metaphor? Do you see the visual? We need to come front and center to the heart and the soul of that cross of Christ that calls us forward, that reminds us that we are yet sinners. And while we were still sinners, God sent his one and only son to die for us, that we may know what it means to truly live, that at the cross of Christ, we are forgiven. God's wrath has been fulfilled. His mercy pours forth, and every single one of us gets back to the fundamentals that we are a sinner in need of salvation, and we find our identity in Christ to say, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. I am set forth to help other people find the fundamentals of the tease in life that comes back to that cross of Christ. That, my friends, is where we must discipline our bodies to say, I'm not going to tarnish my witness by wasting a single step. I'm going to devote all that I am, not all that I am, or chicken or pork, whatever, all that I am <laughs> into Christ Jesus. Lest we fall into the theology of Ricky Bobby, if you went first, you're last. Which brings to mind a a question that may plague so many of us. Why aren't we winning? Why aren't we winning? All you have to do is turn on the news, the website, social media, whatever, and you see all kinds of corruption and disease, not just from viruses and bacteria, but of the moral sort, plaguing our society, our culture. Maybe in some ways we're concerned about what happens if we try our hardest and fail regardless. Maybe it's because we've allowed ourselves to waste a step or two to engage the fun of the moment while missing out on the discipline of a lifetime that includes eternity. Maybe we've been just trying too long. Trying. What is it that Yoda said in Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, when Luke said, I'll try, no, do or do not. There is no try. You see, Christians have developed a theology of trying. Search your soul, you know it's true. We've developed a theology of trying. And trying leaves us 
a little wriggle room to fail. Trying leaves us a little wriggle room to fail. How do you hear that? How do you receive that? How do you read it on the screen? See it in your app. Feel it in your heart. That Christians have developed a theology of trying, which leaves us wiggle room to fail. Because we would rather fail under our own power and our own influence than try our hardest and fail regardless. Do you think that's how Jesus approached the cross? He knew that there in the garden was a cross, but there was also a tomb which would be emptied in three days. And so he didn't approach his crucifixion with a theology of trying or failure. He knew that it was about conquering the power of sin and death over us and removing the threat of our own fear of failure. And so what we see from the Apostle Paul, we line that up with who Christ is and what he accomplished for us. We need to stop trying. We need to start training. We need to find the discipline of the athletes that stop trying and start training. The Greek word, which uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, uh, well, you see, it's agonima. I know that it's knee in the middle. <laughs> agonima eye, something like that. Um, I stated it this morning. I've already forgotten it, but anyway. That word training in the Greek means to contend for victory and strain for the goal. To train for victory and strain for the goal. How do you hear that word strain? Straining when you're in the middle of the competition means that you don't allow a single step to go to waste. That you push yourself harder, faster, farther, stronger, with intention and purpose. That you might see the straining of other people. And instead of giving up, you say, I'm going to strive and strain harder. To go faster. To go farther. To not waste a single step. You see, the beauty of this is that when we look at trying versus training, we come face to face with something that is so pertinent to understand. Trying is often about trying to be what you are not because the devil wants you to try. Trying gets you to focus on what you are not, but training is to make you more of what you already are. And that's what the Lord wants you to be. The Lord wants you to quit trying and to start training to be more of who you already are. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4, 7, to train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. He didn't say try to be godly. He said, train to be godly. Strain to be godly. What does that mean? You put off what you want now for what you want most. And allow the power of God to help you choose between what you want now versus what you want most. Train to be godly. Like the pro baseball players. Start with the T. Start with the fundamentals. And go 
and grow through those fundamentals. All the different spots, all the different placements, high, low, inside, out, and find that plane into which we are called to live, to strive, not just try, and to train. Because training is about doing what we can today to enable us to do even more tomorrow. Training is about doing what we can today to enable us to do even more tomorrow by not wasting any steps, by applying ourselves fully, not fearing failure, but to feel the power of God surging through us, starting with the fundamentals, with every step along the way, not wasting a single one, but putting purpose behind each and every one. There's a great story about Michelangelo when he was carving one of his wonderful statues. And as the story goes, this little child comes up to him one day when he's sitting there chiseling or whatever Michelangelo did. And he's like, Michelangelo said, what are you doing? I don't know exactly how he sounded, but that's, you know, the best I can come up with right now. But he said, there's an angel in here. And I'm trying to set it free. There's an angel in here. And I'm trying to set it free. That quote has been butchered by me. But you'll see it on the screen. Michelangelo says, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set it free. The scripture refers so frequently about how we have hearts cold and hard like stone. And what God wants to do is he wants to come and to replace our cold, hard heart of stone and to replace it with a heart of flesh, a heart of spirit, where he is writing his commandments, which is to love, and he's setting forth his will and his way, which is to live for him. God looks at every single one of us And he sees within us that proverbial angel, if you will. And he made his son's life on earth to be that of a carpenter. To come and chisel away that which holds us in. To plane those edges until they are rounded. To sand them until they are smooth. To do the work of filling in the holes and molding and shaping and sanding and sawing and hammering and nailing until every single one of us is able to set free the image of Christ within us that is contained within the marble or the wood or whatever it is that might describe your life. So allow the hand of God, nail-scarred though it may be, to come into your life this morning. And to set free that purpose that he's placed within. To help you train your body to live that life that he has created and called in you to live. To devote your life with discipline. To not waste a single step. And to incorporate the discipline of physical activity and rest and nutrition. So that we may form our lives into that image of Christ 
that he's calling you and me to live into today. So as the band makes their way up this morning to close us out in song, I again want to ask you, as we did in the beginning of the message, where is it that you are finding that conflict between what you want most versus what God wants for you? Where is that conflict? Where is that contradiction? Where the things that you want the most now actually are holding you back and keeping you, slowing you down from finding the prize that is Christ Jesus. And maybe that is misunderstanding the prize to begin with. That it's some trinket or trophy or thing that may tarnish or rust or fade. And find that prize which is Christ Jesus. To start with the fundamentals, to discipline our bodies, our mind, our soul. To live for God because he lives for you and me today. Thanks to the resurrecting power of Jesus. Amen? Pray with me, please. Living, alive, and God, I thank you for today. I thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for the greater reward, which is finding our prize in you. Forgive us for the time when we waste those steps, when we allow the things that we want now to shadow the things that we want most, or we don't even know what you want most for us. And so, Lord God, as I close this message today, and I pray that you open up within our hearts and our minds what it is that you desire for us, that we might not waste a single step or a single piece of exertion but rather we may devote everything that we have and are to you. The motions within our lives, the movements that complement that what you're doing for us, getting back to the fundamentals and not wasting a single step. Help us to rest in you, almighty God, and to feed upon your righteousness and your spirit, that in all ways and all things we may find in you the creative purpose for our lives. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.